Hello there, everyone. I'm James. I'm the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church, and this is The Essentials, a podcast where we can explore our faith and celebrate some good news and some hope that we find out in the world. I hope that you're doing well. A new week is beginning for me. Um, it's actually my last week here in Freedom, as I'll be uh, starting a new call at the Glenwood Moravian Community Church in Madison, Wisconsin. And for a future episode, I'll tell you a little more about the call process and how all of that works. Uh, but for now, I have our lesson from Sunday, October 15th. The Old Testament lesson was what we preached on, and it was from Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 14. The people saw that Moses was taking a long time to come down from the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come on, make us gods who can lead us. As for this man Moses, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't have a clue what has happened to him. Aaron said to them, All right, take out the gold rings from the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took out the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He collected them and tied them up in a cloth. Then he made a metal image of a bull calf, and the people declared, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. Then Aaron announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. They got up early the next day and offered up entirely burned offerings and brought well-being sacrifices. The people sat down to eat and drink and then got up to celebrate. The Lord spoke to Moses. Hurry up and go down. Your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt are ruining everything. They've already abandoned the path that I commanded. They've made a metal bull calf for themselves. They've bowed down to it and offered sacrifices to it, declared, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I've been watching these people. I've seen how stubborn they are. Now leave me alone. Let my fury burn and devour them. Then I'll make a great nation out of you. But Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. Lord, why does your fury burn against your own people, whom you brought out of, brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and amazing force? Why should the Egyptians say, he had an evil plan to take the people out and kill them in the mountains, and so wipe them off the earth. Calm down your fierce anger. Change your mind about doing terrible things to your own people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, whom you yourself promise. I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and have promised to give your descendants this whole land to possess. For all time. Then the Lord changed his mind about the terrible things he said he would do to his people. Here ends the reading of our word. So today I want to tell you a little bit about my friend Scott. 
Scott and I were housemates during our junior year of college. He ran on the cross country and the track teams with me. And to put it lightly, Scott was a handful. The school part of college wasn't exactly the most important thing in his eyes. He liked to be social. He liked to have a good time. And if he got a diploma at the end of the four years we were there, that'd be perfect. But he was also someone who found a way to operate in the extremes in a way that I don't know if I've seen since. He could be incredibly happy on top of the world, and that was infectious to the people around him. It was fun to be with him. But he could also sink pretty low, and it was hard to get him out of that place. If he would have a bad race, it could be days before he was laughing and smiling again. And it was when when he wasn't feeling so happy that he had this bit of a temper that could snap in an instant. If someone pushed his buttons when he wasn't in a good mood, he didn't even have a short fuse. There was no fuse at all. It was anger. It was rage. It was kind of scary. That's because he was also built more like a linebacker than a cross-country runner. So we didn't want to mess with him and take our chances. By the time our junior year had rolled around, we kind of had an understood approach with Scott that you ride the wave when he's happy, you enjoy those good times, and you give him plenty of space when he's upset. Because chances are you're just going to make things worse for him and possibly for yourself. And this plan, it worked out pretty well, but I have to say it wasn't very balanced. Scott hated having his buttons pushed. He had no tolerance for jokes or fun at his expense. But he loved being the one to push other people's buttons. We didn't really haze on our team, but he would be the one teasing the underclassmen. He was happy to poke fun and dish out jokes about other people. And we all had a great sense of humor. It felt like Everyone was fair game on our team. Well, except Scott. He could give, but he couldn't take. And from those glimpses of anger we had seen when he was upset, combined with the fact that he was much stronger than us, it kind of kept things that way. Scott was untouchable. He was off limits. Well, one day, a brave soul on our team had determined that it was time to change that. After being on the receiving end of Scott's humor for a few times, Spencer decided it was finally the day he was going to give something back in return. This was on a Saturday in, in September. Half of our team was gone to a meet while the other half stayed at home. It was actually Scott and myself and our entire house gone to this race while Spencer was back at school. So while we were gone, Spencer let himself into our house because, of course, we were college kids. We didn't lock our doors. And Spencer set out to finally get a joke in at Scott's expense. So he spent the entire day that Saturday taking Scott's room and reassembling it on our front porch. 
And I mean, Spencer did not leave a single item behind. His attention to detail was actually pretty amazing. Because outside on the porch when he was done, the bed was made, the light on the bedstand was plugged in, even the posters that were on the wall of Scott's bedroom were now on the outside of the house. If you looked at it, you would think that somehow Scott got an idea that he was going to just live on the porch. It was pretty impressive. But we had no idea what Spencer was up to while we were gone. We didn't know what we were coming home to. And as luck would have it, of course, Scott had a bad race that day. He was quiet and sulking on the bus ride back. We were giving him the space that we knew to give him. We got back and we walked the mile from our locker room to our house and found a letter taped to our mailbox from Spencer to Scott. And the letter recommended that he might need an extra blanket tonight. And we were pretty confused by that, didn't know what that meant. And then got closer to the house to find every single one of Scott's possessions neatly assembled outside. And if I tried to relay his reaction to seeing this, if I tried to do that while keeping it clean enough to be something I could say in a sermon, by the time I cut out all the obscenities, I don't think I could even form a sentence. Now, believe me, this is going to be a leap. It's an even bigger leap if you're someone who went to college with Scott. I recognize that. But Scott coming back, finding out what had been going on while he was away, what people were up to when he was gone. That is the place where we find God in this passage from Exodus. Because it's God and Moses who are away. They're up on the mountain. And the rest of the community is stuck down below with Aaron. And they're getting a little impatient. They think God has left them. So they pressure Aaron into crafting a physical, tangible God that they can worship. Something they can worship finally, because this God that's brought them out of Egypt is just no good anymore. And it feels like this decision is kind of the last straw for God. Because God has been present with them. In recent months, God has brought them out of Egypt, released them from slavery. And during their time in the wilderness, God has provided over and over again the food and water they need, the direction they need. They just received the Ten Commandments. God has been there at every turn. And in response, the people continue to groan and complain. They continue to doubt God the moment they get a sense that God isn't being present. So when God sees them construct this golden calf while God is away, an idol for them to worship, which is such a blatant way to disobey one of the very first commandments they are given. God sees this and is not happy, to say the least. 
It's a classic kind of Old Testament picture of God that has rage, revenge, and fury. And the passage says that God is so angry that God is set to burn and devour these people for disobeying. And that's why I thought of Scott when I read this passage. Scott returned and saw what took place while he was gone. And a switch in him flipped. Because we had seen him upset. We had seen him angry. But this was white hot rage. He was set to devour everything in his path. And after he had just an ounce of time to process if what he was seeing actually happened, if he wasn't dreaming, he was set out to go find Spencer. And fearing the worst, fearing what that would turn into, another roommate and I raced after him before he could get to his car. And it was almost telepathic. We were on the same page because my roommate went high, I went low, and we tackled Scott in the backyard. And he kicked and he flailed, but we were able to wrestle him to the ground and hold him there. And we spent a long time trying to get him to just come back from this rage, to not do whatever he was about to do. This price he wants Spencer to pay isn't worth it. You're only going to cause more damage. So we begged him to show mercy, to let it go. Please don't do something that can't be undone. It was our best attempt at taking on the role of Moses in our story. Because Moses is the one that talks God down from that rage. Moses reminds God of the promises made between the divine and this community. Moses begs for God, show mercy. Change your mind. Choose a different path. Don't bring destruction. Take a path that can rebuild a path that can be full of love. Please, God, choose peace in this moment. And amazingly, God listens to Moses. And Scott listened to us too, somehow, as we told him that how he reacts to this is still up to him. Things don't have to ex escalate. Things don't have to get worse. Something else can happen here. And as he calmed down and we were able to sort of move on from it, this whole event actually brought Scott and Spencer closer together. And in the following years, the rest of us could only laugh whenever we would see them hanging out with one another because we knew just how close we were to things going in a very different direction. I think that role that Moses plays might be the most important one we can play in our world today. 
that God needed Moses coming down from the mountain to walk him back from that rage. And that's what our world needs too. To mediate in a society that is so often flooded with conflict, with reactions, and many times overreactions, that God needs a voice out there to pull people back from the extremes that we tend to lean towards, to bring people back towards the middle and towards each other. Maybe God needs that voice to say these divisions don't have to get worse. This problem doesn't need to escalate. We can still choose peace. We can still choose love. Instead of following this path that seems destined to tear us apart. And if Moses could help God change his mind in order to preserve community, to maintain hope during a chaotic time. I think surely we can change each other's minds to try and build relationships instead of throwing them away. So let's, let's be the ones to mediate conflict in our lives, to see it and approach it with the hope that we can help people choose a better path. Even if that means wrestling people to the ground to do so. Amen. I thank you for listening to another episode. You can learn more about the church I serve, the Freedom Moravian Church. You can check out our website follow us on Facebook. You can worship with us on YouTube. And if you'd like to learn more about Moravians in general, you can go to moravian.org. So take care. Be well. Have a wonderful week. I'll catch you next time.